0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mo Money podcast. This is episode 35, and I am your host, Jessica Morehouse. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today on the show, I have a very inspiring guest. Her name is Stephanie O'Connell, and she is a millennial money expert. And I've known her for a little while. She's had a blog, uh, The Broken Beautiful Life, and now she's just going with her name, kind of like myself, StephanieOConnell.com. And she is everywhere. The reason I contacted her is she's just kept on popping up on my LinkedIn and on my Facebook and everywhere. so i'm like all right this girl's doing some crazy stuff i need to sit down and talk with her for the podcast and so she said yes and here we are so in this episode we're going to talk about her story how she started you know out as an actress and now how she kind of switched gears and is all about personal finance and educating other millennials on how they can pursue their dreams the money smart way Thank you Stephanie, for joining me on the show today. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy day for uh chit chatting with me.
1: thanks for having me here.
0: No problem, so let's jump in um so did you always want to be an actress? oh yeah you know, <laughs> i I was like that
1: Theater geek. From the first time I saw a musical, I think I was in third grade, and my mom took me to the middle school to see Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and I became bizarrely obsessed with the state of Oklahoma rather than the <laughs> art form of musicals. Um, so I looked for any excuse to like uh, start singing the song O K L A H O M A, like, and so I like did this voluntary report on the state of Oklahoma so I could sing the song in front of my class. That's like amazing. I was
0: obsessed. That's so, amazing. <laughs> Have you been to Oklahoma?
1: Yeah, now oh, I've been. And I, I actually had a job on the national tour of Oklahoma too. So oh, that's awesome. dreams realized, right? Whoa. But um, uh, yeah, it, it was just very strange. And then uh, it evolved, obviously. And I, got, I went to school for theater and I was in professional theater for um, seven years. Well, actually my whole adult life. So. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> um, so where did you go to school? I went to NYU. I went to the Tisch School of the Arts Ooh. and their their musical theater program. That's yeah, a good. That's a
0: really good program. That's awesome. Well, it was
1: the only one I knew of. So if I hadn't gotten in there, I would have just been a psych major, probably. Oh. Like I was so ill informed when I was applying for school. I was still a psych major, but I was a double major. So yeah.
0: Well, that's like I think most of us as teenagers, when it was like, what do you want to do for a living? What do you? Where do you want to go to school? It's like I don't know. Like I went to the. <laughs> I didn't do too much research when. it came to university either i went to the one that was closest to my house basically (laughs) (laughs) um so after school and then you moved to sorry you're not from new york city are you i'm from the suburbs,
1: so i'm not too far out my family's about 45 minutes away from downtown manhattan
0: okay and Mm -hmm. then you made the uh, kind of typical movie you moved to nyc to be an actress on broadway
1: right sounds very glamorous it does it does It is really not. (laughs) (laughs) Particularly in the year that I graduated, which was 2008 because of the financial collapse. Um, And theater is about the most discretionary expense out there. So uh, that's one of the first things people stop spending money on. So
0: it was a really hard time. Did you have, like, how long was it from graduation to finding your first gig? Okay, well, I was
1: ridiculously lucky. So mm-hmm. I went to school in New York City. So that meant I could start auditioning because I lived here. Yeah. Um, while I was still in school, so I actually had my first gig before graduation. Oh,
0: that's awesome. And
1: um, it was in the books. And then about three weeks after the ser- graduation ceremony, I left. It was a tour in Asia of the musical Cinderella, and wow. it was supposed to be for a year and like open ended and running. All over the place from China to the Philippines to Singapore to Japan. Wow. And I got about seven months through it when uh, financial collapse happened in the middle of it. And then the producers pulled the plug because just like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't financially viable anymore in the world economy. Mm-hmm. So I came back to New York uh, in January 2009 and had my moment of, oh crap, I was yes. unemployed theater major. What am I (laughs) going to do?
0: And I guess kind of at that point, because you were so lucky getting a job so quickly, you didn't really have a plan B at that point. I did have a
1: plan. I was very lucky though, in that I had saved every, all of my salary during those previous seven months because we got a daily per diem. Mm -hmm. So I only lived off of my per diem and I didn't touch any of my earnings, even though it was only $450 a week, which isn't much after Mm -hmm. taxes. Mm -hmm. Um, because I wasn't using it for living expenses, I had saved up about $12,000. Wow,
0: so So, you were
1: kind of naturally good with your money. Well, my parents were like, it's funny because I come from an upper middle class childhood and home, but my parents were always like very frugal. Like everyone else had, this is a really first world indication of where I come from. Mm -hmm. Everybody had like a car when they were 16 and like I took the bus to Mm -hmm. high school as a senior. Like it just wasn't, it just wasn't part of the vocabulary, even though they could afford to buy us a car. It just, that wasn't the value system mm-hmm. that they had. And so it was never the value system I had. And obviously I'm really grateful for it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: This was some really great life skills. I, I, I'm the same way. I'm you know glad that my parents didn't kind of spoil me or I didn't get everything that I wanted when I was younger, because as an adult, I'm like, well, now I know how to live without those <laughs> exactly. things. So it's not a big deal. <laughs> Exactly. Um, So when you came back and you were unemployed, was that kind of when you started kind of self-educating yourself on finance and and eventually started your own blog? Yeah.
1: So I would say it was probably about another year or two before I became really into personal finance. And over the course of those two years, I was getting job offers that were like $200 a week, Mm -hmm. um, $300 a week before taxes. So I was like, this is just like not viable. And as I was doing more and more shows, I was working with colleagues who had been in the business for years. And what I was finding was that even the people who had quote unquote made it, Mm -hmm. they only make it for however a period of time the contract is. So like when that ends, they're back to, Oh no, how am I going to make it to the next job? It's, Mm -hmm. it's a very unsustainable way of living. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, like I said, even if you make it, it's that's not it. That's not the end. And so it was like a couple of years of like going through these low-paying gigs myself and working alongside people who had like been on this roller coaster ride. That I was like, okay, well, what's the solution? Because I don't want to like live my life in this cycle of um, starving or thriving. I, mm-hmm. I want something better. Yeah. And so, um, and that's how I got into personal finance. Actually, one of my mentors. In theater was into like entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and business, and he recommended a bunch of books. He recommended Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm-hmm. Millionaire Mind. Um, and I started reading them, and, and then that just kind of set off a, chain of Mm -hmm. personal finance reading. I must have read like 20 personal finance books in a
0: row and I just became totally obsessed. Totally. Yeah. No, that sounds exactly like (laughs) (laughs) my situation. I just, you just read one and you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah.
1: You know what it is? It's like, it's like this feeling of control. Mm -hmm. I'm like a control freak. And in the arts, there is zero control over anything. Like, there's so much that's like about how tall you are, what color your hair is, what, uh, I don't know, there's so many other factors that you walk into a room, you do what you do, but it doesn't really matter because there's so many things beyond what you can do. Mm -hmm. But with your finances, it's like the opposite. It's like, I am choosing to spend this money or I am choosing to save this money or I'm choosing to invest this money. And for me, that was like, even though I didn't have a lot, it was really empowering to realize that.
0: Absolutely. And whereas, you know, I bet with acting, a lot of, um, you know, success comes down to luck. Yeah. Whereas with finance, I don't, you know, I don't believe so. I, I feel like you can make your own financial future just by the choices you make. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. So you started your blog, The Broken Beautiful Life, which I love that name. <laughs> and uh, and how long have you had your blog, by the way? It's been about two and a half, three years. Three mm-hmm. years. Let's say three. Okay. three years. Sounds <laughs> good. Um, and eventually you got the idea to write your own book.
1: Yeah. So the blog was doing really well. And uh, a publisher reached out to me and said, would you be interested in turning this into a book? And I said, well, got nothing to lose. Why not? So I did.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. So is is the book kind of a reflection of uh, the content you're writing on your blog or is a bit more a little different perspective?
1: I, I like to think of it as my blog in more of a comprehensive narrative format. Mm-hmm. So telling my story, my perspective, uh, and then the lessons learned that are applicable to anyone who is trying to harness some control over their lives via personal finance. So it's meant to be uh, giving you some basic financial knowledge and while also inspiring and empowering to you know take that next step. Because you know, information alone, I always say, isn't enough. There has to be a story there has to be inspiration. And I hope to be able to communicate with younger audiences that may not have identified with the likes of Dave Ramsey or Sue Zorman or whoever else who, you know, the people that are the go-to gurus are, aren't really going through the same things that you and I are. So I I wanted to write this book to be a new voice of this Mm -hmm.
0: generation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, uh, you know, very well said because when I kind of just think of some of the personal finance books out there, none of them are really written by people in our, you know, uh, generation, uh, why. And it's a
1: very different perspective. I mean, it is. And I, I don't,
0: you know I was just reading your website today, and there was something that said, um, kind of changing your uh, personal brand uh, where you know lots of people consider millennials, they have that kind of bad connotation of being lazy and living with their parents forever and blah blah blah. It's like, actually, for most <laughs> of the millennials that I know, we've actually had a pretty damn tough time. We've spent yeah. thousands of dollars going to school to get a good career, and then we can't get a good career because there are no jobs. <laughs>
1: Exactly. I mean, the circumstances were very abysmal, and it's awesome to me to see how many people have. Taken those circumstances and turn them into opportunity, uh, like you and I have, and mm-hmm. you know, in tech and everywhere else. I mean, it, it's really just fascinating to see. I, I am blown away by millennials, I think they're awesome, not just because I am one, either.
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally agree, and not just because I'm also a millennial. But um, so let's kind of uh, talk more about your book. What are kind of some of the key takeaways that someone would get if they um, bought your book and read through it?
1: So it's a lot about how you think about your spending as well as giving you very practical strategies for, okay, I'm here in the store and I'm tempted to buy this right now. What can I do to put this money into a savings account instead? Mm-hmm. So um, it's a combination of
0: mindset and and like implementation, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot because I, I do find uh, and it's, it's something that lots of people don't really... Probably just think about is that money management is so psychological. A lot of it has to do with you know if you're overspending. Well, what are the reasons behind that? Um, And it's you know usually pretty damn fixable if you just kind of really get to the core issue. And sometimes it's like uh, you know kind of like overeating. You're why are you overeating? It's because maybe you're emotional or there is something traumatic that happened to you or you're stressed or something like that. The same thing kind of goes with money management, I believe.
1: Oh, exactly. I delve into that quite a bit actually in the book and like what forms our mindsets, what forms our habits and what can we do to change them to uh, better serve our goals and values and priorities.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so, you know, you have this book, which is awesome. And it seems like you've kind of taken off and it could just be because I'm following you on social media. I'm like, damn, <laughs> Stephanie's doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> I need to get on it, which is awesome to see but you know you're kind of becoming more of a financial expert out there in the media as well which is great because then you're getting your message across to people that may not um, you know uh, know about you right away um, and so I'm kind of wondering you know although you started as an actress but now you've kind of you know migrated to this personal finance sphere what do you kind of see for yourself are you still kind of pursuing that actress dream career or are you kind of thinking something different for yourself now
1: well, I read something recently that that something you should take your skills and two disparate skills and create something new out of them and I don't know if you ever watched Glee or anything, but they Mm -hmm. always did these mashups of like two totally different songs and it created this brand new, really awesome song. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of thinking of my career in that way. And like I'm taking this acting background skill set and I'm taking this vast amount of financial knowledge I've gained over the last five years and I'm kind of making this mashup to create this brand new kind of career that I never thought was even – it wasn't even on my radar before, but I'm so excited about it. Like I love, love, love what I do. Mm-hmm. And it's different from acting in that I love it every day. With acting, it was very like, I love it when I'm working and I hate it all the rest of the time. Yeah, <laughs> And here, like I'm genuinely excited about what I'm doing every single day. And it's such a blessing. So um, yeah, like you said, I am going into that media space. I am trying to Branch out. I've done a lot in the content space uh, as an author and as a blogger. Um, a lot of where I, I have uh, had experiences is, is in writing and uh, blogging, copywriting. But I do, I do want to merge the acting skill set to go do more speaking and mm-hmm. uh, do some brand partnerships and really bring this message out to
0: people face to face because I think that's where it makes the biggest impact. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um one thing I'm wondering since you do come from um, an acting background. And you probably talked to a lot of people in acting. Is, is that something that kind of inspired you to also get interested in personal finance? Because you work with all these, you know, people that are so talented, but they don't make a lot of money. And when they do make money, they just don't know how to manage it. And also just for, you know, if anyone's listening, and they're thinking about, you know, getting a job in the arts, and, you know, I, I went to art school myself, and what kind of um, pieces of advice would you give to someone who still just wants to pursue a job in the arts? Mm
1: -hmm. So, uh, yeah, very much so. I am inspired by my own acting background and the, (laughs) I don't want to say plight of my fellow (laughs) artists. But yeah, like there is this starving artist stereotype that gets perpetuated. And I hate it. I, Mm -hmm. I think. I think we just accept that, and I know I did. I like, I like Even when I was really into personal finance, I still was like, okay, well, I'm really good with the money. I do have, I just don't have a lot of it because I'm an artist, and that is the way it is. And it really took a long time before I realized, oh, I can leverage my skill set to make a ton of money, but I have to kind of get rid of this mindset. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm going off track here. No, no, no. But, no I love it. I love this. Um, I very much... It has inspired me to, to write about personal finance, yes. In terms of tips for artists, my biggest thing is that you have to get grounded in the numbers. So I, for artists, have what I call the make or break number, and that is like your bare bones cost of mm-hmm. living plus funding for um, your financial goals, which can be split between short and long-term savings um, and debt mm-hmm. payoff. Mm-hmm. And you have to know what that number is for yourself on a monthly basis and commit to making at least that amount of money each month. Because if you're not making at least that amount of money each month, either through your art or through survival jobs, then you are taking away your future freedom to continue pursuing pursuing your art. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to do anything else on top of that, discretionary spending – or whatever, then you have a choice to make. You can say, okay, I'm going to work more hours at my survival job or whatever to make more money so I can have these discretionary expenses. Or you can say, no, I'm going to live on bare bones this month so I can spend more time pursuing my art. Mm-hmm. So that that number, the make or break number, kind of gives you a threshold by which you can really live your life uh, and make those kinds of trade-offs that you do as an artist while still taking care of your financial goals and your uh, bare bones needs.
0: I like that this survival job, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, lo- I love I love how you said that, because I was just kind of thinking, you know, you know, talking about like millenni- millennial money and just people working yeah. in the arts, uh, even though I didn't, you know, I went to film school, but I didn't pursue a job in that. I still always had this mentality and it could just, and a lot of people I know my age do, that you, in order to kind of Eventually reach uh, or be able to afford that lifestyle that you want. You kind of can't have just one job. And I was just thinking, like, I don't think you know, since I've graduated university, I don't think I've ever had just one job. I've had multiple jobs, and I can't see me ever giving up any of those jobs. Well, I think the narrative of having one job for anybody is over. Like that's
1: done. I agree that yeah, millionaires have what an average of seven income streams. Is that right? So I figure, I
0: want to be a millionaire. I'm working on it. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's just the idea of the hustle, which, you know, me and my husband both, we're just, you know, have a lot of different kind of things going on at the same time. And that's just kind of our new normal. And I think that's just kind of the new normal of our generation.
1: I think it has to be, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's a good thing because I think it forces people to diversify not only their income streams but their sources of um, fulfillment. Mm-hmm. I, I, I one of the other things that I think artists fall into this trap of like I can only do this one thing, and doing anything else and having joy around anything else is detracting from the art. And I think that's bullshit. I think mm-hmm. the you know I think diversity of uh income and diversity of joy and happiness and career and pursuit makes you a fuller person makes you more able to contribute makes you more informed about different things that allows you to bring new insights into old things i was talking about before about this mashup of careers mm-hmm. like i i'm so valuable now in this industry i never thought i'd be valuable in because i'm bringing this skill set of uh, performance and storytelling that really hasn't existed in the financial services industry, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. th- those are two very disparate things, but together they are they form something really powerful. And so by pursuing a lot of different income streams, a lot of different passions, like y- you just make yourself more valuable.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to be said just to have. I mean, the whole idea of financial security. I mean, you know, back in you know my parents' generation, my grandparents, even um, there was you know a guaranteed pension, or mm-hmm. you know you were able to work for a job for thirty years and not worry about losing your job. Whereas it's like ah, that's not a thing anymore. I mean, <laughs> exactly. You know, like the job I currently have is my day job. I work in digital marketing. That job didn't exist four or five years ago, but exists now. So what's just what's going to exist in another five years? So exactly. I'm kind of constantly evolving to kind of keep up with the change. Which is, I think, why it's so important to have multiple streams of income, a couple different jobs. And also, it's great to just always expand your skill set. Because I think there's, a, yeah, like you said, some, you know, um, people in acting always think they can only do one thing. And I- I'm sure you, like, I don't know, but I was, I was just thinking, like, did you face, you know, some criticism for not just sticking to acting, but, you know, pursuing other things?
1: Well, there's always this thing, like, oh, well... You- you're not doing it acting full time, so you're less committed to it. You're and, less, of a, less of an actor. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's more of like just a rumbling from some minor subset yeah. of people, yeah. but I, I don't think so. I'm also a better actor now because I'm not so freaking insecure every time I walk into a room. Like, I don't yeah. need – I don't need the job to survive. I like that. Yeah. And I feel free and I feel confident. And that is, <laughs> I got to tell you, making more money is everything I hoped it would be. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's always better having more money. Uh, and I totally agree with you. The more <laughs> money that I've saved, been able to invest and just make, the more confident and happy I am. And it's not to say that, you know, um, money brings happiness, but it does bring a little bit of, yeah freedom. You know, I feel yeah. like if I lose my job, I won't be screwed tomorrow.
1: Exactly. You have options, you have choices, and I think it's that freedom of choice that's like that's what everybody yes. wants.
0: Yeah, and that's what you're saving for, and I think that's the the key thing that people need to remember, especially <laughs> in our generation. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I I really enjoyed talking with you, and I'm going to encourage everyone to buy your book. I'm going to read it myself. I'm very excited about that. And I'm really excited to see kind of where you go and where you take off. I definitely can see you on some. I can see you being a host or on a reality show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Last night I actually wrote out my dream bio because I I was like trying to like have a direction. Yes um we'll see like that was definitely in the dream bio being a host of like a talk show i could see it (laughs) well We'll thank you you'll have to come on my talk show then
0: i'm yeah just tell me when i'll be there (laughs) i'll buy my flight right away (laughs) well yeah thanks again for joining me and i wish you all the best thank you so much I hope you enjoyed episode 35 of the Mo Money podcast. Remember, if you want to read more about uh, today's show, more about Stephanie, go check out the show notes for this episode at jessicamorehouse.com slash 35. And of course, if you have any questions you want to get in touch with me, please do so. Just email me, jessica at jessicamorehouse.com. Not that tricky. Or tweet me, Facebook me, whatever. I love to chat. So thanks again for joining me. And I will see you here